This story was too good to not preach on. I know it's uh, not the most familiar, so we'll walk through it again and then have some reflections. Um, So it all starts with Naaman. This guy, we're told he's powerful, high-ranking army commander in what we now know as Syria. And throughout the Old Testament, if you remember one of a few things, one thing that we're told over and over again is that Israel is the chosen land of God. And Syria, this land that we read about today, that Naaman's from, is not Israel. So all we need to know going in right now is that um, our Naaman is not part of the chosen people. So he's an outsider. And we also learn that he's this powerful man with great career success, but he has leprosy. Leprosy is this horrible disease, um, skin disease, and it, it marks someone as an outsider. So two strikes against Naaman already. He's an outsider of God, and he has leprosy, but he still enjoyed some success. And we learn that Naaman, even though he doesn't worship God, He's still been blessed by God throughout his life. We're told that right at the beginning. Naaman has a wife, and one of her attendants tells Naaman, um, Naaman's wife, you know, there's this guy, this prophet. I think he could help your husband. This woman says, visit this miracle worker, and I I think you'll, you'll find him to be healed. This unnamed girl offers this small glimmer of hope to Naaman. And so he thinks, what do I have to lose? So he tells his boss, he says, um, and his boss says, go, I I will write to the king of Israel. I will warn him you're coming for healing. Um, Go. So Naaman fills up his wallet. He fills up his duffel bag with all his fine garments and gets the chariot and the whole crew together, and they're off. And so he gets to the king, and we're told this king, he he opens up the letter from Naaman's boss, starts to read it, and he gets angry. He thinks, who who are you? You think I can cure you? I'm not not God. Um, And he gets so mad, and I don't know if I've ever been this mad, but he gets so mad that he just tears off his clothes in a fit of rage, um, and, and Naaman is like, oh, this is not what I was expecting to happen. Um, but the king thinks this is all a joke. Naaman's boss assumed the healer would be, you know, the most powerful guy, the king. Um, turns out he was wrong. The servant girl was talking about Elisha. And I imagine at this point, Elisha is out in the wilderness, wandering, just healing whoever he comes in contact with. And Elisha hears of this incident where his boss went streaking. And he writes to the king and he says, why did you tear off your clothes? Send send Naaman to me. I'll help him out. So Naaman travels towards Elisha. And and we read he doesn't even make it in the door. He's standing outside of Elisha's door. And Elisha says, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored, and you will be clean. And Naaman gets mad when he reads this. He complains. He says, I thought you were just going to wave your hand, and I was going to be all better. 
And then he whines some more. He says, why did I have to come all the way here for the Jordan? We have rivers in my backyard. I, I could have just went out there for my bath. And he assumes that he's being mocked too. He throws this temper tantrum. You know, I didn't expect to be healed this way. That, that doesn't make sense. And so in his anger and frustration, his servants are kind of come up and now, now, Naaman, <laughs> would you really want this to be harder? And Naaman realizes, you know what, whatever. I'm going to try it. I have nothing to lose. So he gives in. It's worth a shot. Dunks himself in the Jordan seven times, just as Elisha instructed. And instantly, seventh time on his way up, his skin is restored. And he actually winds up better than he was before. The text says he had the flesh of a young boy. And ultimately, this text, it's a story about a guy, Naaman, who wants healing, but on his own terms. And we learn from this story that God, God working through this prophet Elisha, doesn't always work on our terms. And as we read the story and reflect on it, we realize, well, it's also our story. It's a story of unexpected turns and paradox. Before today's text, Naaman, he's not worshiping the God of Israel. But remember, we're told that God was still working for his good, for the good of Naaman, still blessing him, and he's there long before Naaman is worshiping God. And that's us. God is constantly working for our good, even when we have no clue. And I think about this story in light of, of my own ministry and life. Um, I remembered last night, I remembered um, growing up in church and vividly telling people, you know, I would never want to be a pastor. I will never be a pastor. That does not interest me at all. And then years later, <laughs> I am here. <laughs> I'm faster. Um, and, and recently someone was asking me, someone who doesn't attend church, they were asking me, um, how interesting that, that you are a pastor. What, what made you want to make that sort of career turn decision? And I, I said, well, well God. <laughs> it's all God. Um, and as I think about my first Sunday here, um, there are so many people I will meet and the today, and the weeks and months to come. And even though I'm just starting this new chapter, um, God has been with me the whole time, preparing me for this role in ways I don't even know yet. <laughs> Some I know, but there are more to come. And that's how God works for all of us. Right this moment, right now, God is preparing you for something that is to come maybe something good, maybe something less good, all sorts of things we have no clue about. Um, First Corinthians says that we see through a mirror dimly lit, but most of the time, I think we don't really see at all. At least I don't. <laughs> but just because we don't see clearly doesn't mean that's the case for God. God blesses Naaman's career with success, even though Naaman has no clue. And his life takes a, 
turn, gets some leprosy, a little bump in the road. And he's tried everything. Naaman has tried all the, the lotions, the pills, the diets, right? He's, I imagine he's pretty desperate by the time we read of him today. And finally, this girl, um, this unnamed captured servant girl, um, tells, tells him one more thing that might work. And Naaman thinks, why not? I have nothing to lose. And Naaman's boss, the king, the first king we read of, he assumes that the prophet with the healing skill is the king. This is the most educated, rich, powerful person, right? We often assume that it's those sorts of people who have the answers. Um, But in this story, that's flipped. This unsuspecting servant girl, she knows the truth, she knows the healing of God, and she shares that with Naaman. And I think that's how God works in many of our lives, too. God's truth comes from places we are often not even expecting to hear it from. So Naaman, he's, he's asking for help, and it's just so relatable. We ask for God's guidance all the time. And sometimes God is silent, so we ask again and again and again. But sometimes God is very direct, right? You ask for some guidance on something, and, and God offers it. God shows you the way. And then we think, well, I didn't want to go that way. <laughs> I was hoping, God, uh, that it would work out this way, <laughs> right? We do this. We try to bargain or, or, or plea and with God. But finally, Naaman's like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what Elisha says. So he washes himself in the river, and finally, he's healed. And, and this is because God's desire is to lead all of us to a place of healing and ultimately a place of resurrection. Naaman's skin is better than it was before, like the flesh of a young boy, and he's not He's not a young boy. And for all of us, this says that there can be healing in this life of things we can't imagine overcoming, leprosy, heartache, loss, isolation, ultimately death. All of these things that that keep us up at night, fill us with fear, uh, do not stand a chance in the face of God. And through stories like this, through following God, Just like Naaman, we are invited into the healing work of God, you and me, all of us. And the part of the text uh, that is unfortunately excluded from today, so it's already quite a long lectionary reading. You can't possibly fit it all in, but I'll fill you in. (laughs) The part that comes right after where this um, passage ends is very powerful. Right after Naaman is healed, he returns to Elisha to show off his new skin, and he proclaims the God of Israel as the true God. After this amazing encounter with the healing work of God, Naaman isn't the same. After we encounter the amazing healing hand of God, we are changed. Our hearts change, sometimes our skin changes, our minds change. We're new people. 
And this story is testament that when God heals, we aren't the same. This healing calls for new life, new purpose, new direction. And as I think about my ministry and how I want to serve God through this community, I'm praying that our time together will be time spent healing and reorienting ourselves towards God. Because ultimately, the work of God brings healing for all of us.